Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, pickleball and difficult foods. Pickleball is very much strategic. Choosing what to hit the correct shot at the right time is almost entirely what the sport's about. Is it hard to be number one? I think it's a little bit hard in that you're always being pursued. Like you don't really have upwards to go. As a participation sport, as the number of people that play it, it has a scary amount of potential. Uh, so imagine it bounces in there and you're at the other kitchen line. So I'm making contact with the ball 10 feet away from you and I'm hitting it 50 miles an hour at you. I mean, in baseball, that's equivalent to a 300 mile per hour fastball. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So when we first started talking about this, I thought it was going to be a pipe dream. They're like, oh, yeah. We might do it, but no, it looks like we're actually going to be able to set up an interactive voicemail system that will let you guys, the listeners, be a much bigger part of the show, and we'll probably be doing that, fingers crossed. No, we're going to do it by the end of this month, meaning July. So our first guest is the best player at a sport that is just skyrocketing in popularity. And when I say the best, he has been ranked number one in the world in singles, doubles, mixed doubles, you name it. He's pretty much the best in the world and the best ever at it right now. This is professional pickleball player Ben Johns. So have have I not been paying attention or did pickleball suddenly become really popular <laughs> uh yeah that, that's exactly how it went i'd say um back in 2019 2018 it started to see definitely a lot of growth and but people still hadn't really heard of it and then suddenly between 2020 and 2021 it kind of became the cool thing to do it's just kind of a sport for everybody so yeah it really has taken over uh a lot of people so, I mean, when I have thought of it before, and this is probably just because I have relatives who live there, but like I thought of it as like, all right, this is the 60, 70 year old retirees in Arizona who are doing this. But is it everybody really like, or is it younger people or is it just kind of getting more popular amongst a certain crowd? It caught on with uh, older people first because it has something very attractive and that's that it's very easy to begin to play, uh, even if you know your mobility is limited or whatever. Um, so old people kind of gravitated to it in that sense. It's also pretty social, which they seem to like it at that age. Um, but then people kind of started to realize, Hey, this isn't just sport for old people. It's actually just a ball for anybody to play. And the same things apply to the old people. It's like, you don't need to be athletic to play, even though you can also be super athletic and, and have a really good time with it. As far as who plays it now, uh, in some cities, I, I, I see it as kind of the, one of the cool hipster things to do almost like, Oh, you don't play pickleball yet. What are you doing? Um, definitely kind of a young meetup thing just, just for fun. Is this going to be 
you know, the trend sport for a little while, or do you think that this is going to continue to keep going? You know, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people that play it because of how they're addicted to it or how enthusiastic they are about it. They're very bullish on it. They're, they're optimistic. Um, and, and from my point of view, I'd say you never really can tell with, it, with anything like this. Like there's just too many factors that go into it. You, you can't predict stuff. But what I will say is I, I've been around a lot of sports for a while since I was a kid. And uh, I've never really seen a sport like pickleball as far as how people really get addicted to it one like they just don't want to stop playing uh and also just that it it covers such a wide demographic of people so i think it has that going for it and if other things fall into place correctly then it it could continue to do very well so did you get in before the before the craze or did you get swept up in it yeah so i i started um really at its beginning of growth uh in my opinion uh, and that was early 2016 uh, and that was kind of marked by some first initial big professional tournaments. Uh, so the very first U.S. Open uh, for pickleball was held in early 2016, and that was my first tournament. Um, so I got into the competitive scene right when it was growing, and I'd say it got bigger with the public, like where everyone is more aware of it, more in like 2020, basically. From what I my my you know three second Google search, you're basically the best player ever, number one in singles, doubles. Right. Against pets, like every single type of pickleball competition, you're number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, how we distinguish it is we play uh, doubles, singles and mixed doubles. So just playing uh, girl guy doubles, basically. So there's three divisions. Uh, and, yeah, I've been top ranked in uh, all three of them for about about three years now, um, which is kind of the, the longest it's been. But uh, I mean, what I, what I will say is that it's very hard to say, like best ever when you know the sport itself as a professional sport is so young so in a very short span i may be the best but uh that would be surprising to to maintain that for a very long time to the future (laughs) that's what i was wondering about it like the pros who are in it the pros who are like yourself like the people who are really good whenever you have a young sport are they really are they still going to be really good 10 years from now right like i think of like george mikan who was a fantastic basketball player, but would he be in the NBA now? You know what I mean? So right. do you think yeah, that, right. like, are the pros now, where is the sport in sense like, ooh, they'd still be good later, or is it such in its infancy that, like, man, if you're yeah. just pretty good, you're going to be a, a pro? question. Yeah, it's definitely very unpredictable. Um, how I think of it now is there was kind of a – not really a turning point, but an inflection point in pickleball where it started to rise very rapidly in terms of the level. Um, and I'd say five years ago compared to now is going to be more dramatic than five years into the future. Uh, it doesn't grow, you know, linearly or anything close. It's more, it grows in jumps. Uh, but do I think the players will still be drastically different in five to 10 years? Absolutely. And do I think players that are good now can adapt to those times? Yes. But just like any sport, I think the further on you get, the better the players get. That's just the natural course of sports. Uh, people figure them out. They, they get better. They get more athletic, all, all those things. Uh, and I'd say right now, pickleball is the best players are generally the ones that are adapting the most quickly. Why are you good at it? Like, is there something physical and that like you are the perfect size for a pickleball player? 
you've got the fastest, like what about you makes you good at it? Yeah. So right now, um, pretty much all the, the really good professional players are former tennis players. They're former D1 tennis players. We have former professional tennis players. Like they, they were very good tennis players and that's the background that helps a lot. Um, I had not that high of a tennis background, but considerably high, um, along with a considerably high table tennis background. And that's another good background support for it. So the blend of the two, uh, definitely helped in terms of just a lot of the skills and not many people have that blend of a high level of those two sports where most are operating on one. So two definitely helps uh, me a lot. And then the other thing is kind of before what I said, it's, it's about experimentation, uh, to, to be at the top you need to keep getting better because everybody is. Uh, so you're really kind of experimenting and figuring out new things and learning from other really good players at the same time as maintaining what you do have. Do you get bored being number one? Is it harder <laughs> to be like, is it harder to become, is it harder to get to being number one or is it harder to stay number one? Um, Another good question. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, or at least something I like to say, is pressure is a privilege, and it's definitely a privilege to be where I am. I definitely enjoy it a lot, and uh, it's fun to to strive and st- still try to get better and, and all that. Um, is it hard to be number one? I think it's a little bit hard in that you're always being pursued. Like you don't really have upwards to go. Uh, that's also a little bit of mindset. You know, there are certainly still goals you can pursue and there's certainly still a lot of improvement to be made as a, as a player. Um, so it's not really necessarily lack of motivation, but it's, um, it can be a difficult spot to be in at times because there's a lot expected of you at all times. You're getting everybody's best day all the time. Yeah. I I have a target. I have a target on my back. (laughs) Is like, how is it different? from other racket sports, right? And I could think of like tennis, badminton, ping pong, racquetball. Like how is it different from those? Pretty much everyone that plays thinks it's a blend of some of those. And it is, it's totally a, a blend of, of racket sports. So for instance, like size, it's the same size court as a badminton court, but the net is lower than badminton. And obviously you're using different equipment. A wiffle ball is the ball that we use. So it bounces a lot lower than a tennis ball. You can't impart as much spin on it. The paddle is, it doesn't have strings. So the paddle is more like a a table tennis paddle than it is a tennis racket. And it's in between the lengths of the two. So it's a blend of that right there. Uh, And those three are the biggest blend. I think any of the other racket sports, I generally know like squash, racquetball, paddle, all those, they, they have, um, walls that you play off of and we don't have that in pickleball so i'd say it's most similar to badminton uh table tennis and tennis what's the best part of the game to be good at like serving returning if somebody was going to be good at this aspect like ooh, the guy who's good at this is going to be really good so it's actually it's a cool sport in that in contrast something like tennis at a very high level at least uh the serve doesn't matter uh, we, we serve below our waist underhand, basically. So it, it's not a very big impact. Like tennis is, you know, it's a huge impact with your serve. Uh, it's also difficult for players that are just learning the game. So it's kind of a detriment to, to the sport, in my opinion. Uh, so pickleball doesn't have that. As far as your question goes, pickleball is very much strategic, which is another reason people like it a lot. It doesn't really matter how good of an athlete you are. Like it definitely helps. Don't get me wrong. Like coordination, eye-hand coordination, you have to have some of that, obviously. Um, but the point is a, somebody that is a worse athlete than you 
can easily beat you by doing the right things strategically. Uh, and that comes back to shot selection. Just choosing what to hit the correct shot at the right time is almost entirely what the sport's about. Uh, plus a little bit of conversion, of course. Uh, and people find that frustrating, you know, like tennis players that are very good will lose to people that play pickleball, even though they look like complete non-athletes and it's frustrating and, and you want to keep playing in order to get better because you don't understand why you're not good. Uh, so you can put up a, you know, an NBA or NFL athlete and they feel like they should be good on the court and they're just not, not yet at least. Um, so that's why I, I think they, they like playing it a lot and that's why it's very interesting. Uh, that's also why it's a, it's a big sport among other professional athletes. There's a lot of NFL, NBA players that play uh, that I know and uh, quite, a, quite a few other random people. So it's an athletic sport that you don't actually have to be athletic to play. Exactly. You can be as athletic as you want. There's some moves you can make in it that are very athletic, but you don't have to be in order to be good. So then is it, is it strategy? Are you beating somebody with the strategy? Like I'm going to go left corner, work in left corner and then go right corner. Or is it like placement? Like you got to be able to hit the ball right to this location. It's both. It's both. It's, it's definitely both. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you choose the right shot, you're going to find your placement is naturally a lot better because you chose the right shot. So it's kind of, uh, they go hand in hand for sure. And there's some people that can, you know, um, get over those obstacles with pure athleticism. And it's just that disparity between the two, how, how much one affects the other. It's a lot less high in pickleball than it is in most other sports. For instance, you can out-athlete somebody in basketball a lot easier than you can out-athlete somebody in pickleball. That makes sense, right? Because I played, like, sports against my dad when I was a teenager, and, like, basketball, well, I just had to jump. But in racquetball, right. like, he would just work me by, like, I'm going to put it in this corner, and there's not <laughs> a damn thing you can do about it. Like, fr- financially – is is pickleball at the place right now where like you can be a pro pickleball player and just be a pro pickleball player? Yeah, so that's that's been definitely a very recent thing. In the past two to three years, it's become a lot more viable to do that. So myself, along with I'd say I don't know uh, ten other guys, ten other girls, are at the top enough to to make you know a, a decent wage to very decent with nothing but playing pickleball. So yeah, I mean, that's what I do and that's what some other people do, but it's obviously not as big of a player pool as say tennis where you have the top 200 players doing just fine. And we talking five figures, six people hitting sevens. Um, yeah. So that would be mo- like massively based on where you're ranked. And it's, it's really just a handful of players that are getting paid. Well, uh, your, your mid to, to very top, Players can be making six, uh, and the top of the top can be making seven. Now, and it's a, is it a sport you can play for a long time, right? Could like somebody be like old man Ben Johns coming in? He's fifty five and still working people. Uh, yes and no. Um, so right now, the the best older player, what we consider older, is the number two player in doubles, and he's forty four which is he's an extreme outlier. There's not really almost anybody else like him. Almost all the other pros are um, below 35, uh, but he's, he's very good, especially for his age. So right now you can see that a little bit and the more players that come in, the less we're seeing it. So I'd say within probably five years, you're not really going to see anybody uh, really competing at a high level over 35, unless they're just absolute freaks. Like you have Djokovic and Nadal and better. If you're going to be athletic in the sport, is it better to be like, strength power your top two are agility just moving quickly and covering a lot of court in a very 
quick way and uh, quick hands. So hand speed helps a lot. And that's not really something you train so much as you have. Uh, fast pitch just doesn't really increase that much via training. Now, are you big for a pickleball player? Wikipedia said six one. Is that that's about the size you want to be? Or are the best people smaller or bigger? Because we don't have a huge sample size of players, you know, there's a lot of other skills that go into it. So you can't really say this is the best height. And I know, I mean, you can't even see that in tennis yet, but um, it definitely ranges from, I'd say the majority are between five, nine and six, four. Uh, to me, I, I'd say height helps. Um, so I think you kind of want to be optimally anywhere between six and six, four. We'll go into this a little bit earlier than we usually do. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Let's go for it. Would pickleball be a cooler sport if it wasn't called pickleball? <laughs> I, I think it would be a lot easier to convince people to play the sport if it wasn't such a silly name. Uh, but the reality is there's too much based around it now to ever change that now. So it's stuck with that name. But yes, it would be, I wouldn't say necessarily cooler, but it would be a lot easier to get people on board more quickly. Is it better to have a really good forehand or a really good backhand? Uh, yeah, it definitely varies player to player, but um, you can do more with your forehand. Generally, it just generates more power. It's got more reach. So if you can take one or the other, I'll take a good forehand. Everybody's probably got a good forehand, but are there a lot of people who really have a good backhand? I would say, yeah, you're you're right in that there's more players with a good forehand than a good backhand, but it's not that disparate, like as disparate as you'd think. There's definitely some some very good backhands out there. Um, yeah, it largely depends on the player just because how the paddle mechanics work. It's There's not a huge disparity between one and the other. Now, now do you put spin on it, or are you just you're hitting it back? <clears throat> yeah, so there's, there's definitely all kinds of spins, um, side spin, top spin, back spin, slice, rolls. There's, there's spin at all times. It doesn't look like table tennis because there's a limit to the friction you can have on a, on a pickleball paddle. Um, so like table tennis, they use advanced rubbers to grip the ball like severely. That's why the ball bends like it does. Uh, we have a limit on, on the, basically the grit on the paddle. So it doesn't grip the ball nearly as much as tennis strings or a table tennis paddle. Uh, so there's a lot less of a spin influence, but it's still very important. Does it have a ceiling, though, in your opinion, right? Like, I understand that, yes, pickleball can get bigger, clearly. Clearly, people enjoy it. But can it be, right, like, is the goal of pickleball, like, we're going to take over and push hockey out the way? Or do you think that it's always going to be maybe, like, the biggest of the secondary kind of sports? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on, you know, what how you tier sports, you know, how big can something get. Um, I, I'd say personally, this is just my opinion and it, it could be completely wrong, uh, cause nobody can really anticipate how this sport's going to continue to grow, but I would say it is not going to be a spectator sport like your, your NFLs, your NBAs, MLBs, those are your tier ones. It's not even going to be a spectator sport like your tier twos, like hockey or, or whatever. Uh, it, it's good for spectating, but it's not amazing. It's not like it's not as big of a court as tennis. You can't have a stadium as big and make it look as good. Um, so I think there's a bit of an issue mechanically with the sport there. However, I'd say as a participation sport, as the number of people that play it, it has a scary amount of potential. Like it's as playable as, as any sport. No, that makes sense, right? Like just because of the logistics of it, you can't fill an arena of people watching a pickleball but if you sell it to TV, well, what does it matter? Like TV is kind of where most of the money is made anyway. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it can still, it can still do well. 
Yeah, it can still do well like tennis does. Uh, it would be a, a smaller court, so probably a little bit of a smaller stadium. So that's where I'd see it peaking, right? Like, say, a little bit below tennis uh, in terms of viewership. But in terms of participation, I would expect it to exceed tennis at some point. How does your older brother feel about you being better than him? Uh, uh, so my brother, uh, six years older than me, he played professional tennis. And uh, we played every sport together, basically, growing up. And uh, he was always better because he was older. But um, I got into pickleball before him, uh, two years before him. And once he was done with professional tennis, I got him to play pickleball. And basically from the start, once he decided, hey, I actually want to be really good at this and play uh, play this sport, we basically trained him and crafted him into a player that would be my, my doubles partner. Uh, so we always had the goal of playing doubles together as soon as he decided to get good. Uh, so no, he, he doesn't mind me being better than him because he's got the best partner he could ask for, I guess. <laughs> but you know how brothers are, man. Like I got brothers and sisters. There's a little bit like, I'm happy for Ben. I'm going to beat Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely happened. He's, he's, he's played me many times before and uh, luckily he's mostly on the same side of the net these days, but he, he has never beaten me. And I'm sure he would like to. Favorite place to play? Um, I'll give you a variety of answers here. Uh, so I'd say my, my favorite place location venue tournament wise is, um, San Clemente, California. Uh, PPA tour runs a tournament there. That's just gorgeous location, really well run. The crowd's amazing. So that's like my favorite tournament to play, uh, especially that location's great. Um, so for the business I mentioned, where we take people on trips, we played in Ecuador and that probably had the best view I've ever seen while playing. It was just silly. Um, and let's see anything else. Uh, I played in Hawaii and that, that was pretty, very nice too, as far as general location. It wasn't the view, it was just like the whole environment. So those are my three. Who, who's, who's kind of in your rear view? Like who's the player who's coming up and like, Ooh, I got to watch this person. Cause they could, they could take the title. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say there's a defined one person, especially because we have multiple divisions. So there's there's different people that are good at different things, mixed doubles, doubles, singles. Um, so I don't really have a specific person in mind. And honestly, I'd be more wary of the people I don't, I'm not yet aware of than anybody specific now, because we get new players all the time that are super talented and, and want to play. Uh, and there's only there's only more of them coming, right? So. Um, I have a vision in my mind of what the ultimate athlete for pickleball would be. And that that's the guy I'm wary of, not, not who we currently have. I think this, this audit, this question is like from a 12 year old, I think, does it hurt when you get hit with the pickleball? <laughs> that's a legitimate question. That's very legitimate. Um, it stings. Uh, that's about it. Uh, th there's a strategy in doubles sometimes where we actually do try to hit each other in the body uh, because you're so close to each other that it, works out that way and that's not against etiquette that's just part of the game as long as you aren't aiming for the face um so yeah it'll sting a little bit on the body might leave a little bit of a mark for a day um you won't want to be getting hit in the face though yeah how how fast is like has anybody ever like clocked it like how fast are you guys hitting the ball mm -hmm. yeah so um usually ground strokes would be going maximum probably 50 and overhead is more in the 70 to 80 range with a wiffle ball yeah with a wiffle ball it pops off quick uh they make some powerful stuff so yeah i know i've been clocked on overhead spot at a, like 70 and i'm sure some people can hit it harder than i can 
Um, and yeah, the, the biggest thing is not so much the speed as how close you are. Uh, when you're kitchen to kitchen, the, the kitchen is the non-balling zone. Uh, you're 14 feet away from each other minus however long your wingspan is. Uh, so that ball could be on you in a hurry. Oh, the, there's an area like is the kitchen. It's right next to the net. You can't volley in that area. Yes, so, yes, exactly. So there's the net and on each side, there's a seven foot area where you can't hit the ball out of the air while you're in there. Uh, so imagine it bounces in there and you're at the other kitchen line. So I'm making contact with the ball 10 feet away from you and I'm hitting it 50 miles an hour at you. I mean, in baseball, that's equivalent to a 300 mile per hour fastball. <laughs> that's damn. Is that the kind of reflexes where like, you're not even thinking it's just straight up reaction. Yeah, it's, it's mostly reactions, but that is an extreme case. Like most people are not trying to tag you in the body uh, from that close anyway. Uh, and if I did, and if I hit it right, and if you didn't move before you saw me, like as soon as you saw me start the swing, like if you tried to move as soon as I hit the ball, you have no prayer of getting out of the way. It won't happen. You're just, you're going to sit there and take it. Uh, but more normally it's traveling slower than that when you're hitting volleys and, and you're able to react, but it is, it's reactions. So you're not really thinking that much. Does being a professional pickleball player help you? And I think you know what they're talking about. <laughs> I do. I do know. I do know you're saying. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I actually thought you were going to ask that one before you said it. As soon as I, I saw your face, I was like, ah, oh, I know what one he's going to ask. Here it um, comes, right? Here it comes. Uh, so I was actually in school, University of Maryland, uh, the past five years. I graduated in May, and uh, a lot of people would ask me, like, "Did you use this? Is this like a pickup line at, at college, at school?" And it's not. All right. I've never even tried to use it. Um, I, I don't know how it would work because I would just never bring that up. Just like, excuse me, miss. Uh, I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I play pickleball, the sport you've never heard of, and I'm really good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I've never brought that up. So, so does it help? I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm sure it helps some people if you spin it the right way. I just have not tried. What's the best pickleball trash talk? You're going to trash talk somebody. What are you, what are you coming with? Uh, I'm, I'm known to be pretty silent on court, so I can't tell you that I have that much. There are those, the, the guys that, that do, um, my personal favorite is more like rejection. So, so say they try to attack you and you just hit a stiff counter where it's a clean winner off of their attack. Like it's a rebuttal. Like you, you can't oh. do that. You might get a finger, a finger wag, like, like a Matumbo and just like, no, 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 can't do that. Not over here. Right. Just yeah. the total shutdown. Yeah, my favorite guy that talks trash, uh, one of his best lines is just something like, you can't do that. <laughs> just if you, if, you, if you attack him and he hits a winner, and then he's just like, can't do that. No, no, no. Oh, that's crushing, right? There's nothing better than like giving somebody your best shot and then you just, nothing happens. You're just like, oh. That's the thing right there, right? It's not about hitting the winner. It's about rejecting their winner and just turning them down. Just like, no, not over here. You know, obviously, is is there a huge difference in the paddles? Like, what are you looking for in a paddle? Yeah, so, I mean, originally the sport started out with wooden paddles, so it, it got a lot more advanced from there, let's say. Um, so, yeah, these paddles reach prices up to, like, tennis rackets now. So they're, like, in the 200s, sometimes at the very advanced pro level. Uh, so my, my sponsor's here, Yola. Um, <clears throat> they're a former table tennis company, and they got into pickleball recently because they saw the growth. So, yeah, they're... Uh, they make some pretty advanced stuff, and uh, obviously I endorse them, so they're, they're the, the best guys. But, uh, yeah, there's lots of paddles out there. There's lots of technology for spin, power, 
other stuff, different dimensions. It's all kind of up to you with what you want to play with based on the player you are. You use a Yola paddle. Like, what is it? What are you looking for when you get one, right? Like, oh, I want one that's like, what do you look for? Yeah. So I actually designed it with them. Uh, they didn't just give it to me. Like, I actually designed it with them. Um, so it's a, a carbon fiber surface, which carbon fiber is the best surface material we use because it grips the ball well, uh, which you can, of course, spin with. Uh, and it's very stiff, not so stiff that you lose a lot of power. It's still got good power, but stiff enough to wear. Uh, when you miss hit it, like not in the sweet spot, not in the center, it's not a super bad miss hit. So it's forgiving, basically. So it's forgiving, it's got good pop, and it's got good spin. That's that's the basic three things that you really want. So, you know, we were talking kind of before we started recording, but you, now this business, is, is Pickleball really, it's that big that you can run a tour company? Like, how does this work with, with, because I found that amazing that like, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things. Like within pickleball, it's it's such a. It was just an interesting hole in the market for us. So me uh, and a friend of mine started a business a couple of years back called uh, Pickleball Getaways, and we basically just take people on all inclusive vacations, uh, either to resorts or touring around the country uh, with pickleball. So it turns out that because people get addicted to pickleball, they want to go on vacations, but they don't want to stop playing pickleball while they're doing it. So as I'm doing this interview, I'm actually in Croatia uh, for a tour. I just finished one in Portugal. That's what I'm doing with my summer. Uh, so we got 32 clients in each one. Uh, Portugal here, uh, previous week, 10 days. 10 days here in Croatia with a new 32. And I'm going back to Portugal for another 32 because uh, we filled the first one so easily. Uh, so yeah, basically, it's just we, we play pickleball in the morning with some instruction. And then uh, we tour the country in the afternoon to evening. And some different hotels slash resorts. Uh, so it's kind of an upper scale, all inclusive vacation with pickleball. Is there a country that's like, Ooh, man, they love them some pickleball. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. Cause a lot of people actually ask the only part you didn't really touch on is the international aspect. Like is pickleball big elsewhere? Uh, and the answer is actually no, not at all. The U S is by far the biggest in pickleball. And like they're fanatical about it, but they've never even heard of it in other places in the world. Like where we are, there's no pickleball players. There's no pickleball courts. So we have to use like temporary nets and temporary lines and stuff like that. Uh, and that's why like nobody else is doing it. Like it's hard to do. You need the right surface. You need to bring equipment to set up the courts. Um, so that's kind of why we're one of the only ones. Are people in other countries though looking at it? Like what are those guys doing? Oh like, yeah. Uh, be- They're just, they, they walk by and uh, just a couple of days ago I was laughing because in the space of like an hour, I bet like five people walked by and were just with their cameras like, what are they doing? Like, these are just, I mean, are they dumb Americans? Is this a made up game? Should I know about this? They were obviously just absolutely confused by what was going on. That's pretty much all the questions I got, man. What's kind of coming up next for you? How can people kind of keep in touch with you? Uh, Yeah. So I got a packed schedule, usually about 20 tournaments a year. I got this vacation business. I got uh, various other things, but I pretty much go almost entirely through Instagram. So, uh, Ben Johns underscore PB. That's how people uh, stay in touch. And I can update my tournaments there uh, and whatever else I'm up to. So it can really be anything at any given time of the year. Cool. When is pickleball season? Like when's the tournaments and all that stuff? I would think it was in the summer. Yeah. Pickleball season is, is kind of year round. Uh, we don't like, we have a pro tour and they haven't really figured out yet how they want the season to go. There's not really a huge downtime. So my biggest downtime has been uh, in the summer actually. So I missed one tournament to be over here in Europe. But in June, July, we only had uh, one tournament scheduled, whereas August onwards, I'll be playing two to three every month. 
I want to thank Ben so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included his information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. When's the last time somebody gave you a good talking to? Oof. Like sets you straight in life. It's been a while. Uh, I, I I don't remember the last time I was given like a good talking to. I, I do listen to a uh, an inspirational speaker, uh, you know, like on YouTube from time to time. That's the last time I remember thinking to myself like, th- this guy's talking at me, like he's talking to me. The last time you got a good talking to, what was it about? Probably in my early 20s with my father when he was... Uh, and, and this is the last one I, I I really remember. And basically, basically he was just telling me, uh, I mean, I was going out a lot, probably four to five times a week and just getting hammered drunk every time. And uh, he kind of just pulled me aside as I was going to head out and uh, just was like, listen, you're not being very smart right now. And fat, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life. And uh, I'll never forget. It wasn't really a talking to, but that one sentence, uh, I've, I've just never forgotten it. Do you feel like you learned anything? No, I actually think it's it's worse. Uh, no. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I was. I was reckless. I was young, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it, he probably didn't present it to the right way. Probably could have been a little nicer, a little more calmer about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I still remember it, obviously. I got one this weekend. Ooh. I got a talking to from the wife. <laughs> she was looking at me and she's like, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're getting fat. Oh my god! You guys are so brutal, man. You're so brutal over in the. She Vincent. came straight at. Well, well, the thing is, is that the night before I had had a like, look, we were we were engaging in edibles and alcohol, and I was like, <laughs> I think we need to give each other more talking tos, right? Like we got to hold each other oh accountable gosh. about stuff that we want to do because we made these lists about stuff that we want to do, and like you got to hold me accountable. And then the next day, she's like, "You're getting fat." <laughs> so. So is this one of those moments where the night before you were, you know, you were just bullshitting and then the next morning she was like, you're getting fat and your eyebrows are stupid and your your fingernails are too long? No, it was just like, you got to be constructed criticism, right? And you got to come at people. And she was like, you're getting fat. Your gut is getting a little bit out of hand. Like I can see it too much <laughs> and it's not acceptable. And I was like, okay. Still stings as an adult. Yeah, that's, a, especially when you need when you need it. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. Man, I well, uh, I mean, for a guy who weighs a buck fifty, I think your wife should come see somebody that's three hundred pounds and say that. Uh, but man, I'm sorry. I you know I I've never felt bad for you. Uh, I kind of feel a little bad for you right now. Yeah, but I needed it, right? Like it was good for me. So I'm 180 pounds, but I don't carry weight well. Like I'm somebody that. If I get a little bit out of control, like, ooh, my body magnifies whatever shape that I'm in. She might have been a little overboard there. I mean, that can really mess somebody up when you call somebody just outwardly fat or, or tell them they're, they're kind well, of Well, that's not what she said. That's what I heard, right? Okay. Like, I'm not one of those people, like, it doesn't matter if you massage the language a little bit. I know what you're really saying. <laughs> it took me uh, it took me until about six months ago to realize that I probably should not have worn medium clothes the my entire life i tried on yeah. a, a shirt that was you know a couple sizes too big and i was like man this is actually quite comfortable so 
Anyways, it's it's up. You can't go down that road though, man, because I do that with pants, and the next thing you know, you're rocking like forty fives, and you look ridiculous. Like you you can't go down the comfort road too early in life, because there's no coming back once you start going down that comfort road. I gotta tell you, I, uh, I I'm in a wedding coming up uh, this weekend, uh, uh, actually, and uh, you know how dress pants are always you know, four to six inches bigger, usually. Uh, no, I don't, actually. Well, because cause they, they do the actual waist, right? They do it, like, above your, your, your belly fat, like, kind of just south of your belly button. And, uh, and when, I, when I saw... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you hitching them up, or are you pushing them down? Like, which direction are you already going, and are you going to be an old man? Because there's either going up, <laughs> where people have their pants too high, or they're oh. starting to push them down a little bit, where, like, look, I know that your belt buckle is just about <laughs> half an inch above where your private parts are. You're not fooling anybody with that. Well, what I, are you doing? I mean, I usually wear my... I mean, I wear my, my jeans on my waist, right? Uh, but... For dress pants, for some reason, they always measure me, probably where they measure every man, uh, on your actual waist, which is just south of your belly button there. But every time I, I see it, it just reminds me that I am not a small man. Okay, are you ready for shout outs? Shout outs. Outs, 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 outs. Going on, uh, what is it? Uh, 36 I've lost. I've lost track. Everybody's just waiting for it to stop. I don't think so. No one's really complaining, at least not to me. Uh, all right, uh, Cameron Bars, appreciate you. Ronald Miranda, Austin Rogers, Mildred Torre, Phil Miner, Bilal Arabachi, Sean Kelly and Sean Masterson, two Sean's back-to-back there, Lucas Vega and Clint Wimsetti. Come on down. Are the, are the both are the Sean spelled the same way or are they spelled differently? They are. They're both spelled S E A N, which is what caught my eye. I always think of Sean S H A W N as the main spelling of Sean that I think of. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then S H A U N is also a subset. Oh, I don't know. If I was going to rank my Sean spellings, I would go S H A W N S E A N and then S H A U N. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that top three. Okay, all right. It's your it's your time to shine. My- how excited are you? How, <laughs> how how much you've been thinking about it for a month? I guarantee you've been thinking about it. for I a gotta month. tell you, it's it's so weird because now when I like order candles, I I think about ordering them, obviously, but with the thought of bringing them up possibly on this podcast. So uh, this one's okay. This one's pretty basic. And- can, can we introduce it? Or are you just going to, for people who don't know what's going on? Like, Oh, we got to get theme music or something. Sorry, I just get so excited, man. This is all right. It's time for candle of the month with the outlaw candle connoisseur himself. What's your candle of the month? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't even intro it and keep a, uh, can't believe it's a serious thing. I, I can't either, but it's kind of taken off. Uh, all right. So this, Surprisingly, yeah. So this one, uh, there's a sale going on right now. Head over to Bath and Body Works. Uh, I purchased two of these because I'm I'm just a fan. Uh, smelt this at a friend's house, believe it or not. Uh, but it, it is passion fruit and banana flower. It's a three-wick candle. Like I said, it's on sale. I don't know if it's going to be on sale uh, throughout the week, but you can get it right now half off. Bath and Body Works. They have a lot of other great scents too, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll just stop at that one. But there's there's tons of great scents out there. 
So if you smelled it at a friend's house, did you then ask them what kind of candle that is? Oh God, yeah. I've, I mean, I, I was, I, I was like the awkward hoverer too. I'm like, hmm, this is, you know, not like no one's around me. You know, <laughs> finally someone comes over and they're like, oh, what, 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 what you doing in in a separate room, just smelling the candle? <laughs> I'm like, I love candles. Tell, t- tell me about this candle. So, wait a minute. You just went into the room all by yourself in somebody's house smelling candles. Well, I'm no, I, 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 we know them. It's not like it's, you know, it's not like I was invited. You, over. Wait a minute. Who's the main friend? Who's the first friend? Are you the friend with the guy or is your wife more the friend with the girl? My, my wife is friends with the, with the girl. However, like we know the family. It's not like it's, it's not like she's friends with the girl or the woman and I'm just there, you know, like it's like, I'm just there kind of randomly. Does this person have a man, a significant other in their life? Yes, but uh, but he was not home at the time. So you're in another. So you're the only guy there at the party <laughs> going into weird? her. You're going through. Why isn't it weird? You're weird. going through another woman's house who your I wife is friends with. You're smelling things in the room. First off, she probably thinks you're looking at her underwear, dude. No, man. We had just kids just come in from the outside. Uh, I we walked in the house. I got the scent. I got a smell. I'm like, oh, let me let me you know maybe the candle's right around the corner. So I I, I walked down the hallway, kind of into into a, a family room area. There's the candle. It wasn't like so. Wait a minute. It wasn't like I was sniffing the underwear drawer. But how many rooms away are you from the rest of the group? Are you in oh. the room directly adjacent to the rest of the group, or are you two rooms past where everybody is? Oh man. I mean, two, they were in the kitchen, which is like at the other end of the hallway. So technically, I was like five rooms away. Yeah, you're snooping in the house, no, man, just I, looking for scents. I was. That's they. They went to take the kids to get a snack. I told them I was going to take our kids, uh, you know, uh, stuff to the living room. And as I was walking in the living room, I was following the scent, and that's that's how it happened. Did you go past the living room to get to the room? No, it, it, the candle was in the living room. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, getting okay. back to the candle of the month. It's, pa- once again, passion fruit and banana flower. It's a three-wick candle from uh, Bath & Body Works. Check it out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. All right, let's see here. Uh, I got a couple of bangers for you. Uh, what's more overrated, water slides or roller coasters? Oh, ro- roller coasters, probably, I think. At least now in my life, where I've hit an age where, like, some somebody explained this to me one time, like, something in your body, in your inner ear starts to change, and, like, you have a hard time with roller coasters and, like, getting dizzy much easier as you get older. <laughs> and now I can't, I can't even think of a roller coaster. Like, I start to be like, mmm, mmm. I, I haven't been on a roller coaster. It's going to be 10 years next year. That's the last time I was on a roller coaster. It's been a while. No, that's, so That's probably been about the same for me. But I would say roller coasters are generally – no, a water slide actually is yeah. the more overrated because if you've been on one water slide, you've basically been on all water slides. Yeah, water slides are uh, are are very overrated, and they're just nuts. You know, you wait in a line on a hot summer day. You finally get up there, you get on it, and it's it's over. And it's not even that half the time you have to do most of the work, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not a lot of fun. No, it's very hard to get a good water slide. 
We're like, oh yeah, that, that yeah, that's a water slide. I've been on one before. Uh, let's see here. Would you rather know the exact date and time when you're gonna die, or just live life and uh, when it happens, it happens? Oh, just when it happens, it happens. Right, because I think that even if you know the exact date and time that you're going to die, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the exact date and time that you're going to be critically injured or have your life changed forever. So like, all right, okay, cool. I'm not going to die until Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Well, that doesn't mean you're not going to be critically injured Monday morning. (laughs) That's You know what? I I was not thinking about the whole, you know. Right. That's like one of those things that like you wish – like on a monkey palm or a genie or whatever they call it. And it's like a bad wish. And they're like, well, <laughs> I told you you'd never die, but you're going to be a vegetable until for all of eternity. Uh, let's see here. Uh, once again, the world's pretty depressing. But uh, when this episode comes out, uh, it will obviously 4th of July here in America will have passed. So I wanted to know, uh, did you end up buying any fireworks? Did you did you do anything fun for the holiday? I did. I bought the little popper fireworks that you can get like just about any single place that you just um throw down in the middle of the room right (laughs) right like two dollars you can't hurt anybody and i decided i was gonna bust those out during bath time which was a mistake oh man talking about scaring the proverbial crap out of somebody yeah apparently if you throw 10 of them into a room while two children ages five and three are bathing and not expecting it it's a slightly traumatizing experience in a small space. <laughs> so maybe that was a poor decision making. Yeah, that's a uh, decision. Yeah, that's not a good thing. But I'm proud of I I, I kind of want to give you a high five for that because that's that's a good dad move right there. Like don't... solid solid dadding but bad parenting. <laughs> yeah. I could give you a talking to but I'm not going to because I accidentally sprayed my kid in the face with a, the hose on on it was you know the hose nozzle was on jet the other day and she walked right into it so i can't really say anything i peed on my son's head once <laughs> i think i've heard uh rumblings of the story but if you want to tell the floor is yours uh we were outside riding bikes and i went into like the back of an area to pee outside like all guys go and pee outside and he rode his bike up to me crashed his bike and fell directly into the stream <laughs> like before i could stop like i look hey and then he just crashed right into it so did you keep going or did you stop immediately well i stopped immediately no. i mean he's my son and like i'm not a not gonna just pee on the little dude's head but well i did laugh and he you know. I peed on my wife's face once, but you know that, that is what it is. Let's just have no explanation and move into our top five. Let's do it. Okay, so our top five is top five hardest foods to eat. It's your number five. Uh, spaghetti. Are you serious? Yeah, really. I mean, really, it could be any, any, any like pot, like uh, pasta loaded with sauce type of thing. But yeah, it's it's it's. Very delicate, very difficult to eat, especially spaghetti specifically, because you know how do you roll it up? How do you know how do you get it on the fork, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. It's too too much thinking to eat. My number five is also spaghetti, but not because it's necessarily hard to eat, but it's hard to eat without making a mess on yourself. <laughs> okay, that's really what's difficult. Like my list is based on things that you can eat in public and not look like you're some kind of bear going through a trash can. <laughs> well. That's that's where you, my friend, are mistaken because I look like a bear, and every time I'm in public, people think I'm just eating out of a trash can. 
Uh, what's your number four? Uh, ice cream cones. Just they're just a pain in the ass, and no matter no matter how uh, how delicate you are eating the cone, you're always gonna bite it in the wrong place, and then you're gonna have a couple of uh, you know leaks, or the ice cream is gonna start melting. It's just just a, it's just difficult, man. It's not it's not fun half the time. When when I see a man eating ice cream out of a cup, I see a man who has given up on life. <laughs> like I don't care. You as a man need to struggle through the cone. I don't care how big it is, how what the problem is. You as a man have to struggle through the act. Yeah. Uh, my number four is a mango. Oh, just a pain in the ass. You know, I I I, I was gonna put on a pomegranate, but I, I put that in my honorable mention. Uh, mango's a close second to me, but yeah, they're both pain in the ass things to eat. And difficult to eat. All right, what's your number three? Uh, oysters. Okay. Once again, okay. It's, it's a lot of work for very little reward, but yet, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to eat some oysters. So we'll get let's 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 get to this later because I have that a little bit higher in my list. Uh, my number three is wings. Okay, it's uh, a pain in the ass, and you can see a lot of people who don't eat wings well. You look at most wings, and there's a good amount of meat that's left there on that plate. I you know kind of how we started the podcast things you know talking to's i got a talking to when i was in college by a guy about how to properly eat chicken wings and i've never forgotten it and uh i, I still do it to this day what's the proper way you have to cr- you have to crack uh, I, I don't know what each bone's called so i'm probably going to confuse people but you have to crack it uh at the top and then you basically break it off into two bones and then you can just suck the meat off each bone I usually struggle with like the top part of the chicken wing, right? Where there's usually like too much stuff on the drumstick. I'm like, I could have done a better job there. But if it's the actual wing, I can clean that up pretty well. Okay, is it your number two or my number two? My number two. And it uh, it's the only time I've ever been eating where I've thrown an entire plate of food into a harbor. And uh, it's because of crab legs. Mm, you threw it away? I was so frustrated because the party that I was with, the people that I was with, everyone kind of started making fun of me uh, because, and I'm not even sure I can properly describe it to you how to, to how to crack crab legs over the podcast, but I can tell you that from being ridiculed and just pure embarrassment, and we were right next, it was in Boston, naturally, we were right next to the water, I just, I dumped the whole thing. Uh, into the water and just walked away. I was so upset and embarrassed, and and uh, it should be my number one. But I don't eat crab very often or crab legs, so that's why it's number two. Well, you handled that well, right? <laughs> I did not. How much? How much did you pay for it? I feel like I wouldn't do that only because I paid a lot of money. Oh, it, it was like thirty dollars. Yeah, it was probably twenty, thirty bucks. I mean, it was a decent amount, and uh, there was fries and everything with it. And I kept the beer. I walked away with the beer, but. Uh, I dumped the food. Why don't you get rid of the fries? I, you know, I was I was in a different kind of state. I'm sure the fish ate well. I'm sure they ate very well that that night there in the harbor. My number two is corn on the cob slash popcorn, because it's not necessarily hard to eat, but you get some of that stuff stuck in your teeth. Even flossing sometimes won't get it out. You get popcorn in the wrong spot in your teeth, and you almost feel like you got to go to the dentist to get that out. I, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, I, I've had moments eating popcorn where the kernel gets stuck in the back. And, like, the more times you bite down or put pressure on it, you can just mm. feel it feel it getting jammed deeper and deeper into the tooth. Uh, 
So yeah, you know that's uh, that's a good thought that's, actually. Yeah. Number two. I've had some ones with popcorn where I've like flossed <laughs> and still is in there, and you've got to get like the little pick thing mm-hmm. that they give you, and you only keep for like a week after you go to the dentist to get it out. For sure. Yeah. Corn. It's deadly. What's your number one? Uh, so I'm going to preface this. I wanted to put sushi, but then I realized that sushi is a me problem because I don't, I'm not very good with chopsticks. Well, you can just use your hands. Sure. If, if you could also go the Neanderthal route as well. Uh, so my number one, you're going to tell, you're going to tell me that if you're eating sushi at your house, you're using your chopsticks. You're not picking it up with your hands. I, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm using the chopsticks or I resort to a fork. <laughs> By yourself eating sushi in your house, you're just not going to pick it up with your fingers? No. Why? I, I don't know. Because some, I mean, uh, a lot of times there's sauce on the top or there's, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really have a reason. I just, I just, I, you know, I try to fit in with the culture. I try to use chopsticks and I'm unsuccessful most times okay all right no i get that sometimes you can't let it win so <laughs> my number one are hard shell tacos interesting once again it's kind of like the ice cream cone thing to me is you know no matter how you bite into a hard shell taco you're gonna fuck it up because either the taco is gonna break entirely or, or the the fillings are gonna fall out. It's just it's so frustrating and difficult to eat. I guess I don't really have very many hard shell tacos. I'm more of a soft shell taco guy, so maybe that's why I haven't had much difficulty. My number one is seafood, and I'm including in that basically all seafood, like you talked about, like crab legs, lobster, mussels, oysters, all of that stuff that is basically way more of a hassle to eat than it actually is enjoyable. Like the work to reward effort, the return on investment is just not there for me for any kind of seafood like that. It's not worth it. It it isn't worth it. Uh, But it it kind of is. But, you know, you got to be in the right mood or I'm dumping you in the harbor. Just it's the way it is. Even shrimp. Like, it's just too much effort all the time. Like, oh, now I got all this stuff I got to deal with. Pain in the ass. What's on your honorable mention? Uh, let's see. Well, I, I mean, I talked about sushi. Uh, I, what else here? I, I think that's. I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, chicken wings, also, but um, yeah, I don't know. There, I guess. Well, and, and some of the fruits. I guess the pomegranates, the mangoes, but not a whole lot. The only one that I could think of that we didn't really talk about, well, actually two, nachos can be problematic, especially if you're in a group and you don't exactly know who should be eating how much, and peanut butter. Peanut butter can get you in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I don't understand. You don't have water. Uh, well, I mean, you could... Get stuck in your throat a little bit. Peanut butter can be difficult. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't really get the peanut butter. The nachos, even if you're not with a party, they can get to be a little difficult just because of, uh, you know, they get messy or if you're drunk or you have a Super Bowl party and make a bunch of uh, uncooked pizzas and then serve them to people it can turn mm. out to be kind of nasty. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe 
leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really does help us out. And we're going to be, I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but we're going to we're going to debut this voicemail system this month and I just I can't wait. I can't wait to start hearing from people. Because listen, we appreciate the comments. We love interacting with you guys on social media, but I think making it much much more a part of the show is something that that I think will be really cool. I'm looking forward to. So hope you join us and let us know what you think are some of the hardest foods to eat.